0: joined by Peter Weinstrom, who is the founder of the Global Brand Building Agency Healthy Marketing Team, or HMT. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Nikki, for inviting me.
0: Now, for the eagle-eyed readers amongst you, you may recall reading an article on our site outlining a recent HMT report on the subject of mental health. The report discusses the fact that this is an increasingly front-of-mind area of health for consumers across the globe. And it explains how brands can successfully tap into the huge consumer trend for products that support their mental health. The fact that this is a big trend isn't going to be news to our readers, as it's something that we've discussed a lot, especially since the pandemic but the insights into how best to develop and market products with mental health claims are very interesting and useful for many of our readers. So I wanted to speak to you directly, Peter, to take us through HMT's findings and give us your own additional insights. Um, First of all, can you explain how this report came about and how the insights in this report are generated? And then perhaps take us through the top-line findings.
1: I would love to. So you could say that this report came about from our observations in the market over quite a long time uh, but also let's say private observations with your friends your neighbours and just reading newspapers starting to realise that we are actually moving into an era where mental health or, or intellectual health is starting to be the number one health issue and i remember sort of a, a visionary forecast by, by an old colleague many years ago who said in the era of functional food that we were? We now are very much in this health trend. And then she forecasted that the next step would be more wellness, like holistic. And then she said, but finally, in the future, the end goal will be happiness. And I sort of thought back to that. That's exactly where we are now. It is that pursuit of happiness. And we are so, so mental well-being uh, is now sort of uh, say the dominating health issue, I would say, around us. And it affects the younger generation um, with uh, things like uh, climate anxiety. Uh, you have fear for the future in light of the, uh, let's say, the negative development of of the planetary health. And uh, so that is uh, just one sort of one, let's say, one trigger of this area of mental health and then together with that we have now have let's say since the iPhones came into our hands so the, the smartphones we're living in this social uh, social media world where you live your life online rather than in the real in, in real life it means so that also impacts uh, your mental health immensely the need for confirmation and everything that happens online becomes your life and we see how young people but also sort of grown ups are so vulnerable for all of this. So we're le- now living also in a world that is impacting your mental health much more than ever before. Since we've been reporting on this for for a long time, and also been doing research on uh, consumer, uh, let's say, consumer drivers, consumer motivation, and consumer narratives, with our friends at Lund University, the Masters of uh, Applied Culture and Analysis. We have done a research project every year with them, uh, with each, let's say, with each master class, and always are international students with a very high caliber. And, and previously, a couple of years ago, we did research on consumer narratives among early adopters. We call them lifestyle consumers. And we realized now we're living in an era, not of healthy eaters, but in healthy believers. So we then decided uh, then two years ago, to do a new set of research with these international students about food and mood. How does consumers connect mental well-being uh, with food or nutrition with consumption? And uh, that's, that triggered a very, very interesting thought because the the thing we're doing, uh, or, or let's say that these students are doing, they are doing research based, based on cultural analysis, let's call it sort of behavioral uh, analysis, meaning that it's not the idea of sort of doing quantitative surveys, asking people questions. It is actually a combination of methods. You do observations of people, you do interviews of people, you do netnography, looking at the, the internet, and, and then from that, doing almost like interpretations in, in understanding what are the narratives. And the key understanding here, when you talk about brand storytelling, is that what we are looking at, or what we're actually trying to discover are existing consumer narratives, and that is also connected to our, our sort of innovation, consumer-driven innovation framework, the four factors, where we, in the innovation life cycle, from so sort of from in, in, from innovators to the late late mass market, we can identify a number of we call it consumer stakeholders, and each of those have basic narratives. So you can say that there are consumer narratives out there that you can connect your brand to. So the best way to understand narratives is that they exist among consumers, and you can, with your brand and your communication, connect to those. So that's the, the purpose of narratives. And the focus of this report was then to initially look at, uh, the, let's say, the mental well-being trend in a number of, let's say, in four different, let's call it, categories. Mm-hmm where we looked at sort of foods and supplements, we looked at the area of sports, we looked at the area of plant-based and climate and also in the area of self-care, where we then were looking at sort of products as expressions of that. And the first narrative that is uh, very obvious in a way, it's the narrative of reflection, meaning that food is a reflection of your lifestyle and of your identity. And that is something we all recognize and we we know that brands have been using that for ages. It's like fashion. The clothes you wear, the products you choose are sort of a reflection of your lifestyle. So just by choosing a certain brand uh, or a certain uh, certain product, it actually tells the the world around you uh, about who you are. And then the second narrative is the connection. That if you are looking for doing something actively for the world, if you're, doing, if, if you're looking to actually to, to get a connection with a cause, then a brand can actually be the channel for that. And I think we've seen that with many of these, uh, so you could see the plant-based brand like Oatly that we worked with, where you can actually connect the, to the course of, of sort of wow no cow, exchanging plant make. You can be part of a movement and that gives you meaning. Uh, Which means that then you're actually thinking of you're going beyond the claims of the product attributes for your brand. And instead you're delivering on consumer beliefs and emotional values. And we see quite a lot of that with, let's call it, the young generation of brands, the the disruptive brands who are actually telling that story and they are trying to really bond with consumers. And you could say brands that almost behave like a political party. The third narrative is something we saw quite a lot about uh, during the pandemic. It is about roots and traditions that gives you a confidence, a sense of security. It could be that you're sort of the food that that reminds you of what your mother or grandmother used to serve you. So then, of course, um, What the brand can do is really to leverage the tradition, the roots and sometimes also the ancient beliefs by using ingredients or flavors that has a heritage story. And that is that we see very much is used if you think of things like herbals, where you really have traditional usage, you have sort of traditional storytelling. And there could be anecdotal science, but very often real science supporting supporting those traditional beliefs. And then finally, we have something that's also very, very useful in common and that's the the, the narrative connecting to rituals. So if you think about how rituals play a crucial role in enhancing a consumer experience between the, the food product or the supplement product or the mental well-being, you need to think beyond the product and interact with usage of the product and the ritual around the usage. And for those of us who followed food marketing f- for, for a time, just remember how the little bottles by, for example, the Danone or Yakult were established very much with this morning ritual uh, to, to establish that as an ongoing uh, behavior. But the key thing, I, I think, when it comes to this ritual is in the area of supplements. We know that compliance is a critical thing with supplements to, to actually remember to take your little pill every morning. So the notion of rituals uh, then uh, is quite important to build uh, the product and the brand into a ritual that becomes your ritual that brings something very meaningful to the consumer because then it, the ritual itself becomes like a confirmation that yes, I'm doing something good. And do remember that supplements do very rarely give an immediate benefit or immediate sort of, uh, let's say, receipt that it works. It's always driven by this, I believe that it works. So a ritual will actually help to enhance that. And we have one of our own examples in the the brand in this report. We worked with a Swiss uh, science startup in the area of my migraine with a product called uh, Migraket, and the, in the in the pro- process uh, of developing a brand around this, we realized that for the migrainer, the person suffering of a migraine, the ritual was very important. So in in this process, uh, we ended up in the brand name, Brain Ritual, and created a very nice pack with these sachets that you could use then to alleviate or prevent your migraine, uh, and creating with that uh, a good ritual uh, so it became sort of bigger than just a product, and together with that, you could also bring advice on on your day on your lifestyle or things that you could do to actually help avoid or prevent or alleviate migraines
0: there's There's a, another vitamins brand that's also named Ritual, so it's definitely uh, this is a trend that many brands are picking up on
1: it is it is and you also say there's a personal care brand uh, quite lovely with uh, different kind of let's say personal care product that also works around ritual and then connects that traditionally to different kind of uh, let's call it regional rituals like Indian in, Indian rituals or Asian rituals etc so that's so that's the say that's the essence of the uh, of the report.
0: So, could we um, perhaps go through a couple of the examples of the supplements and of the sports nutrition products?
1: So, sports nutrition is 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 quite interesting because it actually touches upon a couple of areas at the same time that we have been looking into. Um, because I remember we did we did actually a long presentation about probiotics, where we could see that there were uh, now in the area of probiotics. There were uh, probiotics that targeted sports nutrition, uh, very much with uh, sort of performance benefits, and but not just physical, but suddenly starting to talk about uh, that uh, it said uh, there's a brand called Nella by Fitbiomics and they said that the performance probiotic supplement decodes elite microbiomes to unlock optimal performance from immunology protein and energy metabolism for strength for strength and endurance and to neurology for peak mental aptitude and toughness so it's starting to lead uh, or connect to this this famous gut brain axis and even more so uh, in sports where you then have products like Clean Focus, where you see how this the brand Clean Athlete, uh, Clean Focus from US, says it's specially formulated to help athletes dial in their mental game and keep it as strong as their physical one. The next one we saw it's a, the brand called Sponsor uh, Mental Focus. From, from Switzerland, a shot of dietary supplements for cognitive and mental performance in order to reach precision and coordination in sports. And it also brings relaxing and calming effects from natural ingredients. So again, that the mental benefits uh, are coming into sports nutrition. Mm-hmm. And we just had one example here about in this area of mental well-being in self-care where you had sort of the uh, a brand called Mindright good mood superfood bars it's sort of a nice name mm-hmm. sort of plant-based based bars improving mood energy and focus and the bars are powered by sort of happy brain blend it's like a little concept and it's like a proprietary blend of all natural brain boosting antioxidants nootropics and adaptogens and i just and just like you uh, we realized that nootropics and adaptogens that's basically talking about herbals so I think the, uh, of course, nootropics and adaptogens can sound cool for an early adopter. But mm. if you want to take the next step, you need to start to unpack these words and make them more sort of easy to uh, understand and connect to.
0: And it's a thin line for brands, for, for, for brands to tread in trying to provide products that help consumers with their mental well-being, but
1: mm. not claiming
0: to be the answer to, like, more serious mental health issues which would really need expert psychological support do, do you think mm. that this is a challenge for brands in this space and and how do you
1: think they're doing that yeah i think the this is actually a learning we we have already from the functional food era that the uh, the thing that actually had a tendency to fail was when a uh, manufacturer or brand owner tried to position the brand as a rescue mm. that this is a miracle product uh, that could be in the area of weight management or or whatever. Uh, the strategy that works is that this is a brand that is supporting you. You you are the one that wants to do something, and this brand is your supporter. That's what works. So it's it is to apply exactly that same uh, understanding, and it is actually based again on consumer understanding. Okay.
0: Okay. And so to to sort of. Bring the conversation to to a nice close. Where do you see this trend going in coming years? Um, do you see this continuing to grow as an area of concern, and how will brands need to develop their offering and their marketing in order to remain relevant?
1: Well, it's you could. I do, of course, believe that this will just continue. Um, we have probably just seen the start of it of how we science uncovers more and more understanding of. Uh, the let's say the substances, the herbals, the probiotics, uh, how that work. Uh, we're also gaining a bigger and bigger bigger understanding of how we as human beings react uh, to social media, to the world we live in, uh, which also leads to a higher understanding of let's say the psychology. So that so you can see the whole psychology area something that's, that is growing as well. Together with, together with that it means that brands must be. Much more knowledgeable about consumers, consumer psychology, consumer motivations, and in this, what we're doing here, consumer narratives. And it also goes back to the kind of research because the 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 lovely thing of working together with these cultural na- and analysts is that it is not about doing quantitative research where you get percentages. It is actually about trying to get the fundamental understanding of what drives people and what motivates people. So in that sense, you, can have, you have an understanding of what, what will people do tomorrow instead of having quantitative research that sort of defines what people are prepared to answer today. So if you think of the research into mental well-being, if you just ask people straight questions in a, in a questionnaire or even in a focus group, you will probably not get true answers because it's sensitive areas. So yes, so it's it is really about being having more empathy for consumers, uh, and more of a consumer focus. So, what we want to give is an understanding that yes, on one side you have the product, its patents, its claims, but you're still in a very rational area, and our work already from the functional food area eras of 10-15 years ago and until now, it's all about developing what I call the double IP. The patent is on one side and the claims, but then you need to develop that emotional bond with consumers that's very much in your brand, the relationship that understands the psyche, the motivation of the consumer. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's where we hope that a report like this can actually give support to our customers.
0: Absolutely. And research into consumer needs and their psyche will only improve, um, especially with the development of new ways of tracking consumer needs and feelings with wearables and apps. It's getting easier and easier, isn't it?
1: Mm, it is. There is a, there, there's so much happening on the, on the technology of monitoring yourself and monitoring consumers. And we tend to forget that we also need to monitor what happens inside your brain.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what technologies develop in that area as this becomes an increasingly important area of health that people are focusing on, both consumers and, of course, um, product developers. Mm. Um, Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Peter. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Nikki. And thank you very much for listening.